greet someone and 20 minutes later you start the service again. I want to draw your attention to a couple announcements here in uh, your orange sheet. By the way, if you're a visitor, I've neglected to mention this, we'd love some, uh, to learn more about you, so I would encourage you to fill this out and just give this to me after the service uh, so uh, we could have a record of your coming. So please, thank you for doing that. A couple of announcements. We've got so much stuff going on at Church of the Redeemer. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting an event at Church of the Redeemer. Next week, picnic in the park. 12 o'clock right after uh, Sunday school, we're going to be going to the park uh, over there at the Great Neck Rec Center, and we're just going to be having a great time. Uh, bring a lawn chair, bring a sack lunch. It's a very low-key event. We're going to be playing the Washed Up Sports League is there, and we're going to be playing a game of kickball. So next week, going to be a great time. Picnic in the park. Put it down on your calendar. And then two weeks from now, if you turn your attention to the Spiritual Gifts Seminar, this is really exciting. This is our first big equipping seminar. It's not going to be this Saturday, uh, next week, but the next Saturday after that, where we're going to have a, a time of discovering what is it that God has given me? What are specific spiritual gifts that God has given me that he's calling me to use for his kingdom? You may not know. Well, I didn't know I had spiritual gifts. You mean, if, if you are a believer, everyone has been given a spiritual gift who is a Christian. So we're going to explore that and explore what are your passions and what you're excited about. We're actually going to take some tests. And by the end of that time, you're going to be able to say, these are the gifts that I have, and this is, uh, this is the passion I have about where I'm serving. So location to be determined, but that's going to be Friday, 6 to 9. Dinner is going to be provided, and then Saturday, 9 to 12. So look for that. Also, this, uh, uh, right after this service, youth groups go into Moe's. So if you want to go to Moe's, meet up here at the stage uh, with the lovely and talented Rachel uh, uh, Broderick, and you guys are going to head to Moe's, and that's going to be a great time. Finally, one more announcement, and then I'll get to our sermon together. Uh, last week, we started our Sunday school, which was Gospel in Life, How Grace Changes Everything with Timothy Keller. Wasn't that a great study for folks that came to that? That was fantastic. Uh, we're going to be doing it again right after the service. So 15 minutes after the service, we meet at the Sunday school room right down the hall, and uh, we're going to have that. So I want to encourage you to come to that. Maybe even if you didn't come to it before, uh, that's going to be a great time. Well, I encourage you now to open up your Bibles or the Bible in front of you to page 758, 759, where I'll read our scripture, Acts 5, 12 through 32. Again, Acts 5, 12 through 32, page 758. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were being saved, added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the, the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, the angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. 
But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked with guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men who you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God, of our Jesus, uh, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for this word that you have given us. Show us more of who you are, Lord. Show us more of what you would have us do in response to the grace that you have given us through the person of Jesus Christ. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've been following the news, but there was a very exciting story in the news this week. Has anyone been following the, the issue of the Chilean miners? What a, what a fantastic story. If you haven't been following it, I'll give you a little recap real quick. Uh, it was over 70 days ago that these miners were down about uh, half a mile under the earth when there was a collapse of the mine shaft. Like 700,000 tons of earth shook and sealed off the shaft, literally entombing these miners below. In fact, nobody even knew whether they were alive or dead. But they, they decided, well, we at least need to try and look. And so they started sending these probes, these drill probes down to see if anybody was alive. In fact, it was 17 days before they even realized that these people were alive. And they were delighted to, to discover that all 33 of the miners were alive. But now the question came, how are we going to get these people who were entombed a half mile down through solid rock up to the surface? Well, this week we got to witness that, how they drilled this hole and they were able to get this device down and they were able to start bringing these people up and I don't know if you saw the video footage or whatever of the reactions as these people were brought to the surface, but it was, it was jubilation. Uh, you know, people were doing all sorts of stuff. There were people who were jumping and giving high fives to people, so glad that they were released. Uh, there were other people that literally just dropped like this guy to the ground and just started praying to God, thanking uh, God that he was saved. They were hugging their wives and their children and uh, their sons and daughters and uh, the president was there, President Pinera of, of, the, of the country of Chile, and as they were coming up, he was shaking their hands and he was saying to them the same things. He was saying, bienvenidos a vida, which means welcome to life, because they were in death and they were brought to life. Well, around the country, you know, and the world, people have gone wild over this story. Everybody wants uh, Los 33 to come and be with them. You know, Steve Jobs uh, sent them a, each an Apple iPod and some Greek countries trying to, uh, Greek mining companies offered them a free vacation and they've got offers to speak and already Hollywood's working on a movie and Matt Damon, I think, is going to be, I mean, people are going crazy 
over this story. And as I was scratching my head going, what is it about this story that gets us so excited? I think I finally come up with the answer. I think the answer why we love this story is because people know the feeling of what it's like to be trapped. And people know the desire to be free. Isn't that true? We know the feeling of what it's like being trapped. And we know the desire that we have to be free. You know, maybe you're feeling trapped in your life right now. Maybe not under the heart of the earth, but you're trapped in some sort of situation. Maybe it's your circumstances. I talked a little bit about employment. Maybe you're in a job situation that you just hate it. You, you hate going to work, and at the same time you need work, and you're trapped in the circumstance, or, or you don't even have a job, and you're looking for a job and in this economy, and, and, or, or maybe it's a, a financial decision that you made some time ago, and you're feeling the ramifications of that, and you can't seem to get out of that, and you feel trapped by your circumstances. What about this? Maybe you feel trapped in a relationship that you have. A relationship with a father, or a relationship with a child, or even a relationship with a spouse, and you know, you're trying to get out of this thing, and you're trying to make it work, but you're just butting heads, and you're coming up against solid rock, and you just can't seem to get out of this circumstance, and you, you feel trapped by it. Maybe you feel trapped by your body. You know, your DNA, it dealt you a bad hand, and you've got these health problems, and they're, they're limiting what you're able to do, and, and you want to do these things, and yet you can, and you're frustrated, and you feel trapped by, the, by, by your body. Or maybe you just plain feel trapped by yourself. You have these habits, you, you, you're this certain way, and you wish you weren't, but you can't seem to get out of that, whether it's, it's pessimism or negative talk or, or an abrasiveness. You, you don't know how to get from death to life. You don't know how to get out of that circumstance, and so you feel trapped. Well, what I want to talk about today is freedom, because at the core of the gospel, the gospel is about freedom. The gospel is a rescue mission in which God moves us from being trapped to being free. God has the ability to reach into our circumstances and either give us freedom from them or freedom in them. The central message of this passage that we're going to talk about is this, that since God has not given up on us, we should not give up on Him. You know, it's important if you're going to have a rescue, and I'm going to use this story a lot about these Chileans as we're talking through, because if there's going to be a rescue, you need to have three things. Number one, there has to be a desire to rescue. Without the desire of someone to come in and rescue, no rescue is going to occur. But then you need a second thing. You need means. It's not enough to have a heart. You need a strong arm. We need means of rescue. And then finally, you need a team to effect this rescue. Desire and means and team. That's what this story is about, and that's what this passage is about that we're looking at today. So let's look at this first, desire. Well, this desire, you know, when this mine was sealed, it was quite desperate for these, these miners down because they realized that no, nobody might know that they were alive. Nobody might even care. I mean, think about that. By day nine, day ten, you're not hearing anything. What's going through your head? They've written us off. Nobody's coming to get us. I mean, these were miners. They understood the difficulties of being able to reach down 2,600 feet into the earth. And they were dealing with the issues of a slow, prolonged death by starvation. And the, the accounts say that a depression came over them. 
that they became depressed, that they, would, they wouldn't even get out of bed because they were so, uh, so resigned to their faith. You know, what caused them to start shutting down like that? Aside from the fact of starvation, I think it was something different. I think it was that they didn't have any hope. You know, when you don't have hope, then all is lost. But when you have hope, it's amazing what humans can go through if they have hope, but when you don't have hope, all is lost. So when this probe busted through, this little drill, and they realized after 17 days that they hadn't been forgotten, they erupted, the accounts say, into jubilation. They started singing the Chilean national anthem 2,600 feet underground because they knew that somebody cared about them, that food was coming, that care was coming. They were informed that it was going to take another 60, 70 days even to get to them. But you know what? It was okay. Why? Because they had hope. Somebody desired to rescue them. The gospel gives us hope. See, the gospel tells us that the insistence of God to reach us is greater than the resistance of man. The gospel is the message that God has not forgotten of us, forgotten about us, and he's insisting on coming to us in our particular situation. The rescue mission. How do I see this in the, in the verses here? Again and again in this, process, in this uh, scripture, we see the resistance of man and yet the insistence of God. Look at verse 12. We see the apostles are performing these miracles and uh, they're meeting in Solomon's colonnade, which is in a public place right there at the temple. And it says that they were held in high regard by everybody, but no one dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Now think about that. That doesn't make any sense. No one else dared to join them. Nevertheless, many people were added to their number. Well, how, how can that be? Well, why didn't they dare to join them? They, didn't, they dared not to join them because of fear. The Sanhedrin had put out the word, look, if you join these people, your life is about to change. Okay, we might kill you. We're certainly going to take away your house. We're certainly going to take away your reputation. Life is going to change for you if you walk over to those people. So no one dared join. Nevertheless, more and more people believed in the Lord because the insistence of God is greater than the resistance of man. God has the ability through the gospel to break through fear and hard hearts and to draw people to himself. Well, the Sanhedrin said, oh, we've, we've got to stop this. We can't let this message go out. We're going to arrest these people, verse 18, and put them in the public jail so that this message can't go out. But in verse 19, what do we see? Lo and behold, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Think about this. A jail is designed to hold people. That's the whole point. It's a jail. And yet, the insistence of God is greater than the resistance of man. And so what does God do? He opens these barriers to bring these people out so they might do what? Tell the message of this full life. And lo and behold, the exact next day, they find them in the exact same place preaching the same message that the Sanhedrin tried to stop them from preaching. How about that? Finally, in verse 21, uh, this is such a great story. The Sanhedrin, they come together with all their pomp and circumstance, 
you know, the entire Senate of the country, and they call for the prisoners. Bring in the prisoners and let's interrogate them. Can you imagine that guard having to walk in there and come over and say, I don't know, what, they're not there. What do you mean they're not there? And he says, look, I mean, the doors are shut, the guards are still there, everything's the same way it was, but we don't know where they are. We can't produce them. Imagine the frustration and futility as the Sanhedrin sit there saying, we don't know how to stop these people. And when they finally bring them and they say to Peter, you need to stop preaching this message, you know what Peter says? No. Plain and simple, we're not going to do it. And if you read on, you discover that these men are let free. Why is that? Because the insistence of God is greater than the resistance of man. Let me ask you, friend, what are your circumstances right now? Is there a particular area of your life where you feel trapped? Where you've been in this situation for a while, maybe it is a relationship, and you feel this sense of, I don't know how we're going to get out of this, but you're losing hope. You're losing hope that God can actually speak into your life, speak into your circumstances, reach you where you're at, and you're hopeless. Have you given up? Has God forgotten me? The answer is no. God desires to reach into your life just where you're at, at your point of need, because the insistence of God that His gospel might be preached into every area of your life is greater than the resistance of man, even your resistance. So what I'm counseling and encouraging and advocating you to do is to hope, to look to the Lord and His strength. God has not given up on you, so don't give up on Him. You might say, sometimes the best thing to get, place to get to is to this place. I can't fix this. I can't get out of this situation on my own. Maybe as a couple, we can't get out of this situation on our own. Lord, so we need you to reach into our circumstance and give us peace, either delivering us from the circumstance or delivering us in this circumstance. Whatever it is, whether relationships or situations or habits, God wants to give you hope. So don't give up on him. Maybe you're not a Christian, that you've come hearing this message and yet you think, I'm too far gone. God can't reach me. I'm 5,000 feet under the earth. There's no way God has an interest in getting to me. I want to tell you that the insistence of God is greater than your resistance. And so God wants to reach you exactly where you're at. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. So give up trying to rescue yourself so that you can look to the rescue of Christ. Well, this brings me to my second point. It's one thing to have the desire to rescue, but you need the means to rescue. You see, it's one thing for the Chilean government to say, gosh, we've got to save these guys. It's another for them to move into action. And that's exactly what we saw as they mobilized to try to find a way to reach these folks. They went out all around the world seeking counsel and expertise. They brought in this state-of-the-art 300-ton drill from South Africa to be able to drill down, uh, to be able to reach these men. men. And it's no different with God. God not only has the desire, God has the power. He has the means. What are these means? Look at verse 20. Here's where we discover the means. When the Holy Spirit says to Peter and the apostles, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. To be rescued, we need one thing, and that one thing is new life. 
We can't get from captivity to freedom without new life. See, those Chilean miners, after the first couple of days, realize there's no way we're going to get out of here under our own power. We're dead men unless we have new life coming in to save us. Here is the truth. We're just as trapped as the Chilean miners. You, you may say, what do you mean? I'm not trapped. I'm, I'm free. We're all trapped. And the reason is because we're living in a cave that we call this body. And the clock is ticking. You see, we're more than a body. We're more than our flesh. We're more than our bone. We have a soul. And the fact of the matter is, we're getting older. Our bodies are getting older. The clock is ticking. It doesn't matter if you're 13 years old or you're 83 years old. Sooner or later, our time comes along and we're trapped in this body. But the truth of the matter is we were not meant to die. We were meant to live. Why is it that we die? And it is because we live in a state of sin. Sin is rebellion from God, going off and trying to live in our own life instead of in His. And the Scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death. That's why we experience pain and suffering in this life, because the wages of sin is death. We experience that spiritual death inside with the loneliness and emptiness of our heart, but it's ultimately manifested in our bodies dying here. How will we escape this prison of death? The answer is simple. We need a new life. Where is this new life and how do we get it? This passage tells us that this new life is not a technique. It's not a new way of living. It's not a new set of principles. This new life is a person. Because there's only one who managed to get to death and to go through death and to come out on the other side alive. And that is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. And we are witnesses of these things. You see, Jesus Christ went into the rock. He went into the tomb. For three days, he died. And yet he rose again under his own power. How is it possible that he could do that? The only answer is he's the author of life. It's Jesus who has the power to lay down his life and to take it up again. So Jesus went into the tomb and came out and appeared to over 500 people in a span of 40 days. Here's Peter saying, we're witnesses of this. We've seen him alive. He went in for us. To rescue us, Jesus Christ had to go into death and to come out alive. And he has been exalted as right to God's right hand as Prince and Savior that he might give this life to those who would trust in him. See, the gospel isn't just a message. The gospel is a person. Jesus Christ is, is the gospel. The Chilean government, in order to reach these folks, had to figure out a way to get them up. And so they, they concocted this ingenious plan. They went ahead and they uh, brought in this drill and they, and they drilled a hole about the size of a manhole cover, 2,600 feet straight down, actually a little tilt at the top and then straight down. And then they constructed this capsule. I don't know if you saw it. It was about 13 feet long. It was called the Phoenix, because for the mythical bird that went into the ashes, that went to death, and rose again. And this phoenix, in it, they would lower the phoenix down via this cable, and literally, to get these miners out, they would have to step into the phoenix, which would close over them, and then they would be pulled up. 
It was in the vehicle of the phoenix that they were able to come up. Uh, they were able to come up from their certain death to certain life. And I don't know if you saw the pictures as the phoenix would kind of come up and there would be the, 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 the Chilean miner there and he would step out. You see, it was the desire of the Chilean government that it was, they'd be saved, but it was the phoenix that saved them. I don't know any better illustration than I can come up with to show what Christ has done. Because it is Christ who has descended into death and it is Christ that brings believers above Christ is the rescue vehicle that God has sent to set us free. Romans 6.3, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, when we believe in Christ, we don't just believe in him, we believe into him. It is in Christ that we are raised. His life somehow in a mysterious way becomes ours. He shields us from death with his life. He shields us from God's wrath with his love. He frees us from sin with his righteousness and he brings us from our captivity to his freedom. God has given us a means and that means is Jesus. Friend, have you taken that ride? If God has given us a means of rescue, Will you take it? See, those Chilean miners down 2,000 feet under, they may have had all the sorts of desires in the world they wanted to be saved, but unless they got in that capsule, there was no way they were coming up. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no way or else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. You may still be thinking, well, there's got to be another way up this shaft. I mean, my good works... If I do enough good works, they can pile up and I can kind of stand on them and get all the way up. No. Maybe a relationship with my spouse who's a believer. Maybe even doing religious stuff. Do a lot of religious stuff. That's the way. No, there's only one way. When we trust Christ and make Him our Prince and Savior, He will take us into Himself all the way up to the presence of God the Father. The gospel is a rescue mission and God has not given up on us. So don't give up on him. This brings me to my final point. If God has the desire to rescue us and he's given the means to rescue us, then God certainly also has given us the team to rescue us. As I alluded before in this Chilean story, the Chileans, they reached out all over the world. They were talking with the Canadians and the South Africans, even the Americans. I don't know if you saw the story in this paper that one of the guys that helped develop this capsule uh, was right here from Langley, a guy from Hampton. There are over uh, 13 NASA engineers who are working to help with this capsule. There was a team of over 300 people that helped to make this thing possible. And uh, if you saw the videos, they had created this, this camp, and they called it Camp Hope, Esperanza in, in Spanish. Camp Hope. Because without the team, there was no way they were going to get up. See, it was a team effort. In the same way with the rescue in Chile, it's the same with the gospel. The gospel is a team effort. Christ is the salvation. He is the phoenix. We are the people that take the phoenix to those that need rescue. Look in verse 12. We see the team, church, uh, the uh, Camp Hope right here, that all the apostles were together and the believers, and they would meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Solomon's colonnade was right in the mix. On one side was the temple, and on the other side was the court of Gentiles. 
See, the thing they understood is we can't be sequestered off somewhere. We've got to be in the mix right where the situation is right here because we are involved in a rescue mission. And so that's what they did. Number two, they recognized the importance of the mission. See, those Chilean, those 300 people, they were working around the clock, literally around the clock. They had so gotten into the vision of what could happen with rescue peop- rescuing these people that they gave up their time. They gave up their money. They sacrificed in different areas of their life to be a part of this mission because they understood it was a mission of life and death, and they were needed to make it happen. Peter and the apostles realized the importance of the mission. The means was Jesus, but the tunnel had to be dug. The preaching of the gospel, the sharing of our faith with people around us, is the tunnel by which Jesus comes to people. Well, that's ridiculous. They're just, they're just mere words. I mean, we're talking about a drill bit here, just mere words. No, they're the words of life that the message of the gospel has the power to move people from death to life. How do I know that? Because it happened with me. And for many of us, it happened with you too. Jesus is the one who saves people. We are the ones that dig the tunnels. And so we must, like the church, the early church, push through these obstacles. You know, with the Sanhedrin coming and saying, look, you can't, you can't do this anymore. You know, go to your little corner and do your own little religious thing. What did Peter say? We must obey God rather than men. If you kill us, it doesn't matter. There'll be someone else to take our place. See, we're part of a rescue mission that's so much bigger than just us meeting right here. We're part of the church. 2,000 years, and there'll be people after us. But this is our shift. This is our place. Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, right here. This is where God is calling us to be. Camp Hope, my friends, is Trantwood Elementary. And we're called to go out into the world. Is our mission any less important than the mission in Chile or the mission of the early church? We must build tunnels to people to hear the message. You know, one of the instrumental figures in this rescue was named Manuel Gonzalez, who's being titled in Chile as the bravest man in Chile. He was a former professional soccer player who played for the Chilean Olympic team. He was also the first person to test the Phoenix. He was the one that went down when no one knew whether this thing was going to work or not. He was working for the Chilean uh, government or whatever, and he said, I'll go down. And so he got in the Phoenix and went down. No one knew whether it was going to work or not, but somebody had to test this out. And Manuel Gonzalez was the guy. And so he went down. He was the first person to reach all these guys, and he encouraged the guys. He, He kept their spirits up. He showed them how to use the Phoenix. He sent them up one by one. And he was the last guy at the end. And I don't know if you saw the video, but you saw Manuel kind of give a prayer there where everyone was up, and then he was the last guy that came up. Why do it? Because he cared. And he knew his actions would make a difference. What can you and I do? It's the phoenix that does the work, but we have to go. Not for duty, but for love. I'm so thankful someone came to me with the Phoenix. Someone cared for me. And you know, the truth of the matter is, they're not going to come to church without us going to them first. They're not going to know the love of Christ until they see our love first. And so we must go to them. We must reach out. Well, how do I do that? 
just look around. Just look around where you live and work and play. There's all sorts of people who are trapped and they just don't even know it yet. And so we use love and sensitivity and grace to come alongside people in their time of need and to show them this is the way out. His name is Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be great if Church of the Redeemer was just like Camp Hope? When another one came up, we'd all sort of cheer and celebrate together because we got to be a, a part of this great rescue mission that God has called us to. You might say, I need more equipping. I don't, I don't know how to do this. Well, we've got a great uh, you know, gospel in life. I need to know more about this. I need more training. Well, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm your pastor. We're having a great session right after this. Two weeks from now, uh, uh, the equipping seminar and spiritual gifts where I can give you as much training as possible because Redeemer is a home, it's a mission, and a training center. God has not given up on us, so we will not give up on Him. And we will not give up on one another, not until the last minor comes home. Let's pray. Lord, what a beautiful picture of the gospel in this rescue story here, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you found me, that someone came into my life. And we have all sorts of stories here of people in the same way. Lord, use us, use this church to reach out to people, to touch people in their time of need, to help people to see that Jesus Christ truly is the way, the truth, and the life. All of this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.